Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And since you can never have enough magicians' content, we thought it was about time for a special episode. We're joined by the actors behind two of our favorite imaginary, or at least invisible, friends on the show, Spencer Daniels, a.k.a. Charlton, and Dustin Ingram, a.k.a. Hyman. Dustin, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you guys for having us. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Dustin Ingram. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to start, we'd love to know how you got involved in the show. I know that actors often get descriptions of the characters they're auditioning for. What did those descriptions say? Dustin, I think you were before me, so you go first. I Yeah, I'm actually going to look up. I think I have the breakdown from the original email. But That's I actually auditioned for Josh before. Oh, really? Yeah, I read for Josh way back in the day. And um, it, if I remember correctly, I th- it went horribly. <laughs> I remember the audition not going well at all. I had I wore jodhpurs. Oh, Justin. I know. <laughs> rule, rule number one, right? So when they put that line in about how Josh was Hyman's favorite, that was just for you? Yeah, yeah. I guess it was a throwback or a callback. No, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if they even remembered me from that. But I got the email for Hyman while I was doing a play um, in New Jersey. So I put myself on tape in a hotel room with one of my other actor friends and they booked me off the tape. They never saw me in person. So the first wow. time they ever saw me was on set, which was so, so cool and, and lovely to have. But um, damn, I can't find the the email. I'm going to keep looking for it throughout the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I remember them just saying, it said Hyman Cooper and they just described him as what he is. They said he's a pervert ghost of break bills. <laughs> Um, I think they like one of the words they used to describe him was unaware or some something having to do with not being so in tune with people or his surroundings. And uh, we just had a blast shooting it. He's such a fun character. You, you kind of can he's so great. Can do no wrong with him, which is so fun and freeing. He's one of the best. He's my favorite, probably. <gasps> Thank you. You know mine too. <laughs> That's bizarre. Well- <laughs> I think she says that about a lot of characters, though. Don't don't let it yeah, go in my... your head too much. <laughs> my, I mean, in, in truth, my fave fave is definitely Julia. Uh, that's understandable. <laughs> but I've heard that your fave fave, because I've listened to an episode or two, and I've heard <laughs> that you love Todd. I mean, it's like, more like a running joke at this point, but I do love Todd. <laughs> I, but I've heard, I think I've listened to two episodes, and I've heard you mention it and go really specific uh, into into extreme detail about Todd, so I'm I'm pegging you to be a, a person who likes her, Todd. Her Twitter handle right now, or not her handle, but like the little I don't know what the Twitter name part thing that you do. I don't know what you call that. Says Todd Stan account. So I think <laughs> there's definitely oh some. Uh, oh wow, Danny! I don't think I've ever seen you blush before. That's impressive. <laughs> Can we also just say Homeboy got swole? He oh did. yeah, I, oh actually did. Really? We did an interview with Adam. It was in our first season, right? It was like it was like three years ago now. Yeah, and we asked him like, "What's something that uh, viewers of the Magicians wouldn't guess about you?" And he said, "I'm really athletic." Oh. And now everyone knows. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I remember the last um, last episode I shot. I was talking with Arjun and. He he showed me a picture of him because I hadn't seen him in a while. I'd worked with him in season three, and apparently over the course of the two seasons, he he got real nice and big. 
and he showed me a picture of him. We were just gawking at him. We were so upset that he was able to do it, and, and we were still working on it. But congrats, well, buddy. He's in this show called The Order where he plays a werewolf, so he has to be really fit for it. That's right. That's the new, is that the CW show? Uh, no, it's on it's Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Oh, Netflix, Netflix. So, Spencer, what about you? What was your audition like? What were your, what was, how did so they describe I, Charlton? It was, it was a one-line description, if I remember correctly, and it was something to the effect of, uh, he's a childish uh, kind of baby trapped inside a, a man's body, and that was it. But the the sides that someone had written, I would assume Sarah wrote them, were incredibly um, imaginative, and and it it started with like a, a scene where Charlton had only lived in all. Uh, in an all-white room for like a, a million years, and it was oh, wow. him talking to Elliot. So it, it was a really uh, interesting take that seemed to be like a, a person who had never experienced anything, but had also been experiencing everything for like a million years. So I thought, this is incredible. This is so weird and cool. And just, yeah, went in, and I think it was Sarah and Laura and Lori in the room and did it one time and left and... Uh, then got the gig and and got the script for the initial thing, which was one line, and it was and it was the it was the third season, the monster um, episode, the monster yeah. episode. And I remember thinking like, this is so different from what what the scene or what what I thought the character was. I want, and it was like the third season. They were hopefully coming back. Everyone was very optimistic, but I remember thinking, this is such an odd cliffhanger to have. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was almost nothing initially. I mean, obviously they kind of knew what they wanted, but Mike, um, and Sarah clearly had an idea of it and then brought him back in, what was it? Season four, I guess, yeah. to really like hash out the character because initially, I mean, I had a firm grasp on like, firstly, just what, uh, they, they had the name already, and I had I, I thought like the only thing that I had ever even seen in terms of Charlton was Charlton Heston. So I was like, I'm going to go with a little bit of like an affectated thing, and that was it. But there really wasn't much of of a description. It was kind of um, it was kind of like this thing that would maybe become something, and you need to say one line, and and that's kind of it initially. I I love that they said a child in a man's body and what they didn't tell you was that he doesn't have his own body yeah right <laughs> and it's even still like it's just yeah it was it was such a i mean that's that's the show though and i learned yeah. that very quickly i mean that, that was kind of the the tenor of the books i was actually one of the like the harry potter generation kids so i read also the magicians to be like did they come and touch harry potter so it had that tone even in the the books. Uh, so I kind of went with that. I already had a little bit of fluency with that kind of like style. Um, but yeah, like the, what it's become has just been even more insane. It was such a rich world. And I remember like, I don't know if it was during the audition or the next year, I went back to really, because I was like, I don't remember a Charlton, but this seems so very, you know, uh, uh, apt to be in the book. And it wasn't. And I was like, that's, it, for it not being in the book, like everything in the series, it like, it kind of melds pretty seamlessly into it. And like, you know, I, I don't know, anything fantasy and kind of magic related, especially at that time, like that was right up my alley. I mean, that's like how I learned how to read, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
Dustin, it looked like you found your character description. I did. I found it. I also found another very exciting tidbit. Apparently, I read for Penny also. Really? In 2014. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Very incestuous. Um, <laughs> that's what the that's what the breakdown says. Very incestuous. Uh, okay, so it says it's Simon Cooper. This clean cut and comical character is a former Break Bills student, a notorious voyeur dubbed the pervert ghost of Break Bills for obvious reasons. He was astral projecting back in the 1920s when he lost contact with his body, and he has been wandering around the campus ever since, peeping at all the girls. Shocked when Penny can actually see him, the first person who has acknowledged him for almost 100 years, he tries to help Penny out of an increasingly desperate situation, but warns him that his suggestion may not end well. Guest star possible recurring. One of the things I truly love about The Magicians is that it has such wonderful guest stars on, present company, of course, included. And I imagine it's really challenging to step into a show with such a a strong ensemble and an ensemble that has such sort of noted chemistry for roles like these and stand out and really make a role, a guest role your own. But both of you have really done that. And I mean, it shows by the fact that you keep coming back. Could you describe some of the challenges for us and how you approached them? And this is building off a question from Stargirl on Twitter, by the way. What's up? Shout out Stargirl. Thanks for the hot question. Come in, we'll be retweeting it. So hot. Great question. Um, for me, you've, I've, I've heard people say this on your podcast already, but for me, coming in, they make you feel so comfortable, and I could wax poetic about that for quite some time. But um, I think the first time I showed up to set, Arjun told everybody it was my birthday. Has he done that with you, Spencer? Uh, stuff like that. I don't know if that – yeah. <laughs> he, I know most of your stuff is with Hale, but Arjun does this thing apparently where he just tells people it's your birthday, and then the whole crew sings to you. And it was not my birthday. My birthday was like five or six months ago. But um, it just puts you at ease and they make you feel welcome and comfortable. And you, I felt like part of the family, which then gives you total freedom to play and have fun. And mm-hmm. rather than coming in, a lot of guest star spots that I've done, you feel like you're a bit of a hitman. You got to come in and make a clean kill and then get out. But with this, there's so much exploration and mm-hmm. the room to do all the fun actory stuff that that shows up on screen that makes the show fun to watch. Yeah, I I completely agree. The first uh, scene I had was that last episode of the third season, and I was with nearly the whole cast. Oh, right. And and it was, I mean, it was one line that uh, in a scene that was, you know, it seemed like seven pages. It was probably only four but it took all day to shoot and exactly the same, you know, as, as everyone seems to say, everyone was so gracious and welcoming in a way that I've never found on a, on a show um, like this in this way um, to everyone. I mean, not, not just, uh, you know, guest actors to, to crew. Everyone seems to have a real nice um, meshing that, uh, it, I mean, it shows because then when for for me when I got to kind of explore the character a little more and everything was basically with Hale, you know, he that guy is so down to 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 play around and like and mm. I I feel that with every single person that, that I get to then have another scene with and and then yeah so so all around I mean there I don't know what it is or what's in the water up there but um, <laughs> they all definitely uh have the same kind of working uh fun attitude uh and they bring it every single day i mean it's it it really is a a blast 
That's good to hear. Um, so we got a little backstory for Charlton in season four, and we get more of Hyman's this season. But how do you fill in the gaps for yourself? Destin, you first. Oy, oy, boy, oy, oy. <laughs> um, that's so hard to talk about without sounding incredibly pretentious um, and actory. But uh, you, I make it up. I make up a lot of it and what happened. But the coolest thing about coming back is they flesh it out for you a bit more each time. Mm. So sometimes I've had to let go of my own little darlings that I've put in my backstory because they've spoken to it. But And honestly, just asking them too. Like I've spoken with the writers about things and said, hey, what did this mean? Why did this happen? Does this play? And usually I'm just looking for things that play in the moment. I can do all the backstory for myself, then get related to whatever I need to get related to. But the most fun stuff is the stuff that shows up on screen. So this doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Am I peeking? I'm not peeking. Okay. Um, but I, I've so desperately wanted a ring. I so desperately wanted a um, just like this old school ring that, that Hyman always had on. Hmm. And the prop master was so accommodating and gave me a bunch of options. And I chose one that looked like it was his father's ring that looked mm. like it belonged to Hyman's father who of course died of course I made up that his father died and gave him this was was part of the reason why um he's such a fucking pervert <laughs> he never had like a male role model to teach him how to respect and treat a woman and so stuff like that you just kind of make it up and that's fun though yeah piggybacking on that like you you take things and moments that you've seen in the script and in life, but specifically in the script that stick out to you. And like for Charlton, there were hilarious things like his mother's nose falling into soup and uh, the whole family realizing that that's when she had syphilis. And oh, no. like, and, and then you, like you can easily kind of extrapolate from that and think like, yeah, he is kind of this like middle-aged jester boy that was probably kind of on the outskirts of the the kingdom and could kind of go in and do a little magic and then leave but was clearly always around a little bit too much and was banished like you can kind of you can fill in the, i mean that's what's so incredible and I, uh, to yeah to parrot dustin it does not matter but that's what's so fun about what uh, we get to do you you kind of get to make it up and you get to see what other people have made up when the writers give you stuff it's just it's yeah it's it's pretty um it's pretty bizarre really well and so kind of following up on that like like when Hyman was first introduced he really seemed like this caricature of a certain type of straight white and very entitled fan he mm -hmm. watches the action break bills from the outside he ships I, I thought it was Quentin and Alice, but it's Quentin and Julia. I went back and looked. Yeah, Quentin and Julia. <laughs> um, but, like, this season is introducing some conflict into that storyline, showing us that he's actually part of the same story as our heroes. And he he plays a role in it before he dies and not just after. And I just kind of wonder, like, how does that complicate him to your mind and how does it affect the way that you portray him? It complicates it for me, Dustin, because like I said, I would have to get debriefed like, oh, we're in an alternate <laughs> timeline. Who is P40? You know, who's Penny 40? All this stuff. Um, but the coolest thing is it, Hyman has stayed the same through all the storylines. So he's traveling with them. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to be, uh, I see him as the audience's voice and mm -hmm. the, you know, he's he's watching and he's he's been forced, not forced, he's chosen to watch this whole time. So 
it kind of doesn't change for him. Basically, what I see in the show, all the episodes that I've actually seen, like season one, what I've actually seen, I use as homework, as if mm. I'm and we're watching. So it's kind of cool in that way. It makes it easy, to be honest with you, because he's just a part of it. Who knows when he's there and when he's not? That's the, that's the fun part. Yeah. Did that answer you at all? <laughs> I think so. I think it did. Okay. I, I feel like both characters, both Charlton and Hyman, they always remind me of that, like, self-inserted character in, like, fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Super postmodern strangeness, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to go back to the other question? Oh, I, I just put a thing. I was going to suggest you ask the similar, the analogous one for Spencer, and then we go back. Are you guys chatting underneath our backs? We're, we always just are typing a little bit to skip around where the conversation takes us. I love yeah. that. <laughs> this Spencer, is the most a, inside baseball we've ever gotten out of podcast. <laughs> let's get on a chat. Spencer, you and I are going to text things about Danny and Clara. No. I love Danny's septum piercing. It makes me miss mine. How about you? <laughs> did you really have a septum piercing? I did. I was so excited. I went through a a hard boy phase. It was real <laughs> tough and cool. And I had a motorcycle and I had gotten tattoos and I was like, I'm going to get my Ooh. septum pierced. So I got my septum <laughs> pierced, a real big one. And uh, uh, I had to take it out to go shoot a pilot. And within a week it had yep. healed up. Yep. So I couldn't get it back in. Oh. I was like, ah, I'm not hard anymore. And then I crashed my motorcycle like a oh, month no. afterwards. So oh, no. it was not meant for me. So, Spencer, your character is getting a little more complex this season as well, and so is his relationship with Elliot. Can you talk about how that's evolving and who he is to Elliot and who Elliot is to him? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a Jiminy to Pinocchio kind of relationship. It's a weird like on his shoulder, in his head, as if someone had lived in your head for you know who knows how long and then gets to kind of be corporeal for a little while mm -hmm. and not really know exactly what that means himself, but also really enjoy the time and the space. And it, it, it kind of evolved. It felt very psychological. And at first, it seemed to be like this bitchy jester boy, as I said. And then it went to be kind of someone that, that almost had Stockholm Syndrome a little bit for, for Elliot. And it sort of morphed to a little bit more of a team. And at least that's what I, I tried to, to go towards because... You know, he got to Charlton got yeah. to go on the, the a lot of the journey with him. And while he definitely has this kind of know it all bent, like without a teamwork idea that can become kind of nauseating, I think, after a little while. But I do think that like it kind of works really well this season because he's sort of become Elliot's conscience, right? Completely. Yeah. It's not in a like do this way. It's just in a he says something obnoxious and know it all -y, and then Elliot's like Oh, I guess he's right. And then <laughs> it's like the loud ant. Yeah. It's like the, the obnoxious kind of voice that you, you probably should at least take into account. And, you know, Elliot is, has going back to the books. Like if Elliot had that voice in the books, it would have been very interesting too. Cause hmm. he had that in an external way with other characters for sure. Um, but in an internal way that it's, it's very intriguing definitely to see. So in keeping with the theme of this episode, listener L asked, did either of you have an imaginary friend when you were a kid or an the adult? Hot question, L. Thanks for the hot question. <laughs> we're going to retweet it. Everybody get on your phone and just a hot tip. Here we go. 
I did not have imaginary friends, believe it or not, and I was an only child, so I should have. <sighs> Justin, you should I, have. I know, but I did. I will say this. I treated all of my stuffed animals as if they were real people, and I had to give them equal attention. Um, otherwise, I thought they would get mad at me. But I never had an imaginary friend. I don't have a fun answer for that. So sorry, L. but thanks for the quesh. Well, I have a little bit of a, a more fun answer than that, I guess, but I liked it anyway. Um, I have, there, there has been this like common myth in my family that my mom tells. It's a story. She tells it all the time. That when I was like two years old, we were gardening in our uh, backyard in Pasadena, California. And I turned to her and I said, I used to love gardening with my other family. I used to love gardening with my other family. And my mom was like, what do you, we've never, we've never gardened before. And I said, no, like my, my mom before you and my other family. And so she claims that I was kind of like a little demon baby. I think it was probably an imaginative thing, um, but I'm going to leave that up to you to see. I think that's kind of an imaginary friend. Either sounds like like you're remembering a past life, or that's another part of it. But I mean, I was two years old, and I was a pretty imaginative kid, so well, I would imagine I was pulling that's strings. Terrifying for your mother, kind of, right? A little bit weird. I read an article. I th- actually, what, maybe it was an article. Maybe it was like a This American Life or something. This is like a phenomenon. Like a lot of kids go through this. this. Yeah, yeah there's some weird science behind it that I don't remember what it is, so I'm not going to try to like give the explanation here. But <laughs> it's some weird shit. <laughs> I, well, it's some weird shit, and, and I would never tamp down weird shit at the same time probably just a two-year-old kid talking about an imaginary friend if <laughs> i know myself at all and your mother didn't tell you and you actually were that would be pretty correctly. fucked up because i because i, be I really- look a lot like my mom and i that would be some weirder wow. stuff that we'd have to go into dustin you like your <laughs> you said i like my mom so great of you spencer thank you for saying that no i look like my mom Oh, I thought you said I like my mom. She's oh, a nice lady, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, both of your characters are kind of like fish out of water in the show, too. Charlton is the, is utterly hopeless when it comes to the word fuck, for example. And Hyman has retained all these anachronistic pieces of slang, like the duck's nuts, which... Uh, my favorite. How do you approach weird lines like that so that you can sell them in your delivery? I mean, for me, uh, uh, first every time and I feel (laughs) self-conscious. Yeah. For me, for me, it's, it's just going for it. I mean, you have to, the language is so fanciful and, and wonderful because it's fanciful that, um, personally, I just, you know, I, I use whatever intensity coming off the, the last line or, or I'm using, I'm going for it hundred percent and I'm not holding back because I think in fantasy and maybe not even fantasy, but the magicians in general, you kind of just have to go for it and trust that everything else is going to be there because there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that isn't in the room. A lot of it is later in editing and especially this year with, the way I showed up and left, you know, there were a lot of scenes where I was delivering lines from off camera and then in. So just committing 100%, it's, it, yeah, that's that's it for me. Can you say fuck for us five different ways now? <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to think, how many times did I say fuck the fourth season? That's the next question <laughs> that, from a listener. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I loved that. And, and to be honest, I probably couldn't because I would just make a fool of myself. I'm already in my head thinking about fuck in all the different ways that, uh, that I could say it. 
Do you know how many times like you had to say it in the first, like I think it was season four? It's was it probably like... five times. It's probably something like five times. <laughs> well, it does make you pretty special because the writer said that they're only allowed 10 fucks per episode. Which is shocking anyway, because I thought sci-fi was like a upstanding cable network that didn't allow you to use the F word. But <laughs> So <laughs> it's funny. The Magicians actually started it. So originally, like their first season, they had yeah, recorded they had with it. it. And they like bleeped it out. Um, and then so they when they released it on like Blu-ray or like Netflix and stuff, it was all like uncensored. And so then they started airing it the next season, this like two or later. Three. It was two. They started airing it like later in the day where it had all of it in it. And then they, they just said fuck it. And then they started putting it in there. <laughs> they anyways. literally really? said fuck it. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like it better. I feel like it's more seamless, and it's just more like it I don't feels know. more real. People yeah. use bad words. Yes, people do use bad words. Um, all right, so you have both been acting for a while. Um, like, I, I looked at your credits. There are many of them, and actually, you've both been in some pretty big other like sci-fi and fantasy franchises. Spencer, I did not realize that you were the kid from. Star Trek from the original Star Trek movie. That's right. I, I kind of forgot about that myself. Um, <laughs> the, I remember the original role was Kirk's brother, actually, as a, as a kid. And uh, there was a whole storyline of him leaving home and kind of making Kirk what he was because I had left home and left him to kind of be with his father, if I remember correctly. And I believe what made the final cut was a shot uh, of me leaving the place and kind of looking and I, again, this was, I, I was younger, so I don't fully remember all the details, but I believe they, instead of going to a place where there were cornfields, like um, uh-huh. Iowa, Iowa has cornfields, right? Supposedly. Supposedly. Um, they planted a, an acre of corn in Bakersfield, and we shot in Bakersfield for a How couple weeks. How long did that, that take that for it to, like, They could have just uh, gone to Northern California. <laughs> I mean, they could have done a lot of things, but, you know, Star Trek... <laughs> wants to film within the 30-mile zone in Los Angeles. Just know that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a new CBS All Access show coming out called Picab. Uh, <laughs> it is called uh, Picard. Oh, I am Picard, not caught sorry, up on the last yeah, episode sorry. yet, but tonight it's going to happen. <laughs> sorry, that was Picab. Uh, I'm actually going to make a podcast about that with my dad, too. Um, but probably once the season is over, since they apparently decided oh to my God. the same go time to, as the magicians. Go to bed, Clara. Nope. Sleep every once in a while. <laughs> Not good at it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, okay, so so Dustin, yeah, what about you? Like, what what's your sort of experience? How'd you get into the industry? What else you got to plug? I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what the hell else you got going on. Um, I my parents were both theater actors, so I grew up going to rehearsal with them and being around it. Uh, like my dad has played Teviev six times now, I think. Uh, my mom toured with Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller for years and Sugar Baby, like theater family. Wow. So I just asked to audition once when I was five for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Do you guys know that musical? Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I can still recite all the colors of the code. If you'd like me to do it, let me know. And <laughs> I got in and the rest was history. I just fell in love with it. And I've been, it's so, one of the most fortunate things you can have in your life, I've, I've realized, is to know what you want to do. And I knew that at a very early age. And it just, it's, the path has been so clear. I 
dropped out of high school to act, you know, I didn't, I didn't take a conventional route to do any of it, but it just, it just made sense. There's nothing else I can imagine doing. I'm so blessed to be able to do it. Well, and you, but yeah. so I, I, I told you this <laughs> when we were setting this up, but I was such a huge fan of, of Watchmen this year and you were great in it. And it was just Thank so you. cool to like see, I don't know. I always find it really cool to see magicians, actors in other things and yeah. get to see um, a little more of their range. And that character is like a 180. Yeah, that's not of, Hyman. Yeah, no. Yeah. Though he is kind of a fanboy in a very different way. That's true. I guess I have a little bit of a fanboy face. I don't know what that means, but I guess I got that going for me. Yeah, what a fun show. My goodness gracious. Can you tell us about that? Was it crazy? Yeah, it was nutty. It was... I don't even know where to start with that. But um, I was a huge fan of the the comics growing up, and I'd read them when I was 15. And that audition came in, and they didn't have... They were calling it a di- totally different name, but the script was talking about the comedian in Rorschach. So I was like, mm. you didn't hide it so well, but we knew what it was going in. And I went in and read for it and I thought I did horribly. I thought I just bombed. So I went home and I put myself on tape by myself in my apartment. And then I dubbed in the other characters' lines with my own voice. I was like, I got to send them what I think they actually might respond to better. Turns out, I guess they responded to it. And to be on that set with those people, you just show up with your A game. And it's kind of the same with magicians too, with something that's been so, um, they work so hard and you feel like you got to do the same thing. But it was just, I was just fanboying all over the place. I had the graphic novel with me, like a Bible it's in my chair the whole time. And I, I, I honestly can't describe it. It was like, it was like, it's like being in, you know, your favorite book. Well, and it's just so wild what they, what y'all, I guess, did with that. Um, like really turned it into something new and meaningful in this present moment. Yeah, Damon is insane. And all the rest of his writers, too. He gives a lot of credit to the rest of his writers. But for him to have that idea, and that's the direction he wanted to take it, it's so special. And I completely understand why I, I, you'd want it to be just as special, if not more. Yeah. And this was this has been an answer by Dustin Ingram. <laughs> Everyone go watch Watchmen if you haven't already. <laughs> Who watches The Watchmen? Everyone. Sorry. <laughs> so th- this is mostly a, a fun question, but when we posted that we were having you on, Dustin, Arjun mm-hmm. got, like, he tried to take us to task oh, on gosh. Twitter. Um, of course, he didn't realize that he had not answered our email about scheduling, so... Not one, but like himself. three. It was like three emails. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Every few months, he sends us this email that's like, he sends us these emails that are like super peppy and like, how is everything? Let me tell you some things. And then we sure. respond and we hear and nothing. He <laughs> I'll get him on the horn. I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We already called him out. It's good. But okay, good. you guys apparently, you guys have uh, a kind of incredible relationship from everything we've heard. Can you describe a little bit about that? Like, how did you bond? What's that friendship like? Yeah, it's love. <laughs> I'm in, we're in love, we're in love. Um, <laughs> we just clicked right away. And I don't know why, because we we do have similarities, but for the most part, we, we're opposites. And that's what they say, opposites are true. That's what I was saying. <laughs> And uh, he was just so kind to me right off the bat and our sense of humor meshed. And I kind of, I don't know if, if he'd be upset by me saying this, but I see him as sort of a big brother and he, no, no, he wouldn't be mad because he treats me like a little brother. <laughs> so he absolutely deserves to be called out, but I, it's so endearing. And, you know, we talk all the time and he'll call me and 
we'll just chat. And he was so helpful with the show itself. We'd hang on his trailer for hours. And um, I've always kept my clothes on. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wait, we got to cut that out. Cut that out. I make no guarantees. Oh, oh, jeepers. We'll be the uh, but what a sweet human being who just works so hard. And I, I can't wait to see what he does next, to be honest with you. He's such a cool dude. <laughs> I'm going to follow up with, not for you, but like, Spencer, you get to work with Hale the most. Like, yeah. how close are you? Like, do you guys bond and like, yeah. do you keep your clothes on? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I can't answer that. But, uh, I mean, Hale's a beast. Everyone is really great on the show. And, and Hale, uh, as an actor, is special. And when you get to work with someone who is not falling into or or trying to do the our procedural thing and kind of question everything on a show that's in its fourth fifth season that doesn't always happen and and you know I got to run into that every day at work so I I absolutely adored working working with Hale you know the two of us were constantly looking to improve everything and do the best that we could and you know he he took his work very seriously as did I and I, I felt the same I felt like we were really good back and forth ping pong players it was it was a blast yeah can I just say about Spencer and Hale they are a couple of the most intelligent people that I know <laughs> and I it's insane it's insane this the things that you guys know and have studied it blows my mind this there's no end to your knowledge. It just blew my mind every time I was on set. Just, please, what else? But it was very fun, and it's I, I, there's a lot that, there's a lot of stories that I could tell that I can't. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was lovely, like the whole experience, and I would pass, Hale and I both would pass Dustin, and we all, you know, we all, everyone, going back to just the culture of the show, Everyone was so welcoming, like just inviting people places and wanting people around. And, you know, and this is not a thing that I've experienced very much of as a guest on other shows. Mm -hmm. um, and even when you're a regular on other shows, like that culture really, you know, it, it, it was it was something that was apparent from the first moment that I got on the set. And it stayed, you know, all the way through those those three seasons. So it is the the culture of family and friendship is is pretty through, you know, everyone, every single person on that show. That's really cool. I always like hearing the behind the scenes stuff. So we rarely seem to have new guests on, but lately we've had a lot. So I want to bring back some popular old questions. What Hogwarts house are you? And what are the characters you play? <laughs> <laughs> What are the characters you play in within the Harry Potter world? Well, well <laughs> like what, what is the Hogwarts house for the magician's characters that you play? Oh, 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 oh. You did tell us you were a Harry Potter kid. Yeah, I've got a, uh, a life-size mandrake actually in my living room. Do you really? We're going to have <laughs> yeah. to see that later. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Harry Potter house. I mean, any, anyone in my eyes, anyone who doesn't want to be in Gryffindor, I, I'm a little bit like, huh? I don't See? really understand it. And you're and, and now that, I'm suspicious mm -hmm. of you. <laughs> Why? Mm -hmm. What house would you be? In? 
<laughs> showboats. Yeah, and I'll take that. I, I absolutely will take that. But it's also, I mean, it's what the book, it's the point of view of the book. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> I, I would say that that is the point of view of the book. But I also think that that's a, a very good reason to reinterpret and recast, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you're, right. you're seeing everything through Harry's point of view and it's very black and white morality, mm-hmm. but the, the world isn't like that, right? So if you're thinking about like, what would this look like as an adult? And then, and like, I mean, in the last book, you get a little bit of this with like Harry in the dumbass epilogue telling his kid <laughs> that like two of the... But like telling his kid that like two, he named him after... Uh, uh, to the bravest people he knew, and one of them was Slytherin, right? Like that morality breaks down. So True. Danny and I are both half Ravenclaw, half Slytherin. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know. we're like Ravenclaws, like officially, but like we share a lot we're of identified. Slytherin tendencies. Yeah. I actually okay. got a three way hat stall on the the like official test on Pottermore. Everything but wow. Gryffindor. So I, brag about it again. Oh my God. <laughs> Calling me out, Dustin. I, I Dustin Ingram and am a Ravenclaw, but I think that Hyman would be I don't I, I don't know why. I think he's Hufflepuff. I think he was a hard worker, absolutely, when he was I'm looking at the traits of Hufflepuff. Valuing hard work, dedication, patience, and loyalty, and fair play rather than a particular aptitude. But I, I mean, the fair play part, we <laughs> it kind of went out the window. But you've got to have patience, dedication, and loyalty when you're stuck on the astral plane for as long as you are to, you know, peep as often as he does. That takes dedication. And it's peeping all the time, all day, baby. Just so, I feel like. Hyman reminds me of like the Hufflepuff in the the very Potter musical version. Oh my god, oh, yeah. Like good at finding things. Yeah. What is wait, you I'm gonna get skewered for this. What was Moaning Myrtle? What house was she? Do we know? Actually, I don't know that we know. Hmm. I think she's I'd be curious. I think she I wanna say great. she's a Gryffindor. Is that just because she- everyone's Gryffindor though? She's a bit of a peeper, is why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I have. No, no, isn't she Slytherin? Because it's in the Slytherin bathroom, isn't it? We have she's, people yelling in no, their cars. It's just one right of the now. girls' bathrooms, but it, it's the one that goes down to the Chamber of Secrets. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> while, while Danny's doing that, he's uh, a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. She's a Ravenclaw. Okay. Cool. Um, so Spencer, you told us you're a Gryffindor. What's Charlton? Uh, Gryffindor too. Actually, I, I I quickly went through, but yeah, he he would he would be a Gryffindor. See that he is by the, your own definition. By that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gryffindor to Elliot Slytherin. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, for both of you, what character in the show, other than who you play, do you identify with the most? Oh my god! <sighs> for me, it's it's easy because again, going back to the books, I loved Elliot the whole time, and um, I thought it was. I just thought like the even as a kid reading them like the fluidity of that character was rad to me. I just thought it was so different and you know comparing it to Harry Potter was a whole different thing if you wanted to go down like what uh, it's how good it was compared to like my my baby essentially different stuff but like the fact that there was a protagonist that was so just kind of, you know, androgynous in a weird way. I, I love that. So that that's the character that I, I kind of loved all the way through. And the fact that they 
ended up pairing Charlton with him, I was I was um, very excited. That's fun. Yeah, that's good. For me, what about I, you? I think probably Quentin. Um, only because not because of Hyman's, you know, a white male heterosexual <laughs> hero is really relatable for him. But um, I, I was that kid. I so and it's it's this all tacks back to HP, the old hair po. <laughs> and I desperately wanted to be in those books. I wanted that to be real. And mm-hmm. I just I remember when I read The Magicians. Um, I just I could put myself in his shoes so much to receive that knowledge of knowing this fantasy world you've idolized for so long was real. How friggin' exciting. Fun little fact, my my birthday was just in January. <laughs> Thank you guys. Happy, happy, happy. Oh, happy oh my birthday. God. Wait, when's Mine your birthday? Was, Mine was January twenty fifth. What is yours? Mine's the twelfth. All right. Well, not as good as the twenty fifth, but you're you're working at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my uh my dear friends who know me so well delivered a Hogwarts acceptance letter to me Aww. and they taped it outside of my door and texted me from a, an unidentified number saying an owl has delivered mail to your Oh door. my God. That's awesome. That's adorable. And, uh, it was, uh, and when I opened up the envelope on the inside, it said, recite this incantation. And then in quotes, it said, Alexa, play Harry Potter theme music. <laughs> and unfortunately, oh wait, Alexa, stop. <laughs> um, That's very funny. Gonna happen. But unfortunately, she, for whatever reason, played the trap remix. <laughs> so I was. Anyways, that's fun for the listener, huh? <laughs> uh, Quentin, that's my answer. Um. So since we have two very Harry Potter nerds here, um, did you know if you have an Android phone? You can, mine's turned off, so it won't do what your Alexa just did. But you can say, um, okay, Google Lumos, and it turns on your flashlight. And okay, Google Knox turns it off. Get out of here. That's That's awesome. awesome. Yep. It's one of those little Easter eggs. Lumos. No, that's an (laughs) Apple phone. I didn't get that. Could you try again? Get out of here. You're dead to me. (laughs) Bye, Apple. (laughs) Uh, I, I think that's such a great, it was, I, I was enjoying the fact that you like crossed your arms and got all defensive faster when you said Quentin because I can tell you've. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can. T- I think a lot of people have a sort of weird guilt complex about identifying with Quentin, but the thing yeah. is, he grows up so much in the. I mean, in the show too, but like in the books especially. That's. I, I don't know what I what I always tell people is that him being such a pissant um, in the first book is. Because is a feature, not a bug, right? Like that's what it takes to be able to be able to show that growth is to show that this is a, a real picture of what a seventeen-year-old who is sort of stuck in a fantasy world in his head mm-hmm. is like. And growing up and growing out of that takes work, and you get to yeah. see all that. It's just one of the but things th- I love. But like, thank well, God he did because he cares so much about yeah. Harry. And yes. I mean, what would have happened if he did? You know. Yeah. One of the saddest things that I wish we had gotten in the show is them graduating break bills and just being completely lost as young adults after oh my God, they're yes. just like <laughs> that was just too real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you don't how I feel. That's how I feel every time we wrap an episode and I go back home. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Oh. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't do a bunch of drugs and and then Get really drunk every night. uh, They do the drug uh, taking part 
very well, but I agree. Like that was such a fun part of that book when, when they just fuck around for seemingly ever, like I couldn't get enough of those pages. Those are incredible. Spencer, when did you first read it? I don't know. I, I was definitely, I was probably like 13, 12, oh my God. 14 maybe. Two Wait, how old ago? are you? How old am I? 27? <laughs> were the books even were the books even out then? The books uh, came out. The first one came out in 2011, right? I thought it was like 2009. That. Yes. Okay. So more coincides with graduating high school. I, I it was it was sometime in high school. I thought, but I thought it was the beginning. I don't. It was some. Uh, did the books come out? Th- then I don't know. Did I even read them? <laughs> <laughs> it came out um, in 2009. Okay, you're right. 2009. Okay. Whoa. 2009. So 17. 17-ish? How did you hear about them? <laughs> I read them, yeah. like, the first one, like, like 10 years ago. I read mine because of the audition, and I remember going out and buying them. What, how did you find out about it, Spencer? Did you just see it on a shelf, or did someone tell you about it? No, they were New York Times bestsellers. Oh. And they were like... <laughs> oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Weren't they? They, yeah, they, they were. were. It was yeah. just a... It was good delivery. Yeah, um... <laughs> No, you GED idiot. They were New York Times bestsellers. Do you even read? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> to be honest, I don't, I don't fully remember. I remember them coming out and they were talked about as being in the Harry Potter universe. That's all yes. I really remember. That was the big and marketing pitch was like Harry Potter people, for adults. Yeah. A lot of people were like, oh yeah, it's like Harry Potter and Narnia for well, adults. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because I'm still like, I haven't reread Harry Potter since I read them. However long ago, and I feel like I maybe read Harry Potter when I was 12, 13, but I also feel like that was much earlier than than when I I feel like I read that when I was in like third grade. My timeline's all messed up. But then when when the magicians came out, again, they were like, they were touting them as this Harry Potter universe thing as adults, like Harry Potter with whiskey, I think is what I remember someone (laughs) saying. Uh, And and so I read them kind of as like a, please don't be true. Don't don't touch Harry Potter. And and I I really Mm -hmm. liked them, but they were... They were just so different. Like yeah. they had they had a, a magical tenor, but they were you know they were very grown up. They were very very yeah. grown up. Well, and like Harry Potter, I would not call Harry Potter urban fantasy, and I would call the magicians urban fantasy because mm. even though Harry Potter touches the the real world, the Muggle world, it doesn't do it in a real way, right? Like it's still yeah. sort of cartoonish in in particular ways. However, sure. I would call the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, turban fantasy. No. <laughs> Dustin, we're going to have to have you back on just for the puns. No kidding. <laughs> Happy to be here. Uh, it's because Coral game. wore a turban. <laughs> this is making me, I am normally the big punster. This is making me, you're putting me to shame. It's, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> step up your game. <laughs> So uh, one of the other things I was kind of interested in, both of your characters are really funny, but they're funny in completely different ways. And I I was kind of curious if you feel like the humor that you're expressing as part of those characters reflects your own sense of humor or like what kind of choices you're making to create or amp up some of those funny moments. Uh, personally, I feel very, um, very tied to what is written. So like m- the sense of humor, what I find funny in what Charlton says is usually, it's usually the kind of irreverent stuff, but his, all of his dialogue is so like particular and uh, very much based on cadence and kind of the, the passing back and forth. So I don't, I, personally, I don't recognize my humor in his as much as I 
I kind of just try to to keep up. Mine is my the ultimate child version of me times a hundred. It's kind of how I see Hyman's sense of humor. It's just unabashed, just no real filter limits, which is very childish. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you ever if this was your experience, Spencer. But they they left so much room to improvise, whether it be just a beat at the end of the scene or within the scene itself. And I felt the same way about the the scripts as well. They were sacred, and I so wanted to be on par. But when I started to find that I could throw in some things as Hyman, yeah, I mean that's absolutely my sense of humor, a hundred percent. And Arjun's too. The whole the whole time, all that I'm really honestly doing in in the funnier scenes is trying to make Arjun crack. <laughs> and I know that I'm doing it right if I do that. Are those just like the choices you're making as an actor with the words or are you ad-libbing? Which part? You mentioned something about, there was something you said that made me think that like, you said you, you used to feel really tied to the script the way that um, the way that Spencer does and that sort of changed. And I was like, are you ad-libbing some of your lines? No, not for the most part. It's usually just ending beats, to be honest with you. It's mm. that space in between the last line that's written and then, you know, the the quick cut back between both characters. It's the it's just the play in those moments. But no, no, to be honest with you, no, I didn't improvise within a scene because of that. I felt this is so well written, I don't want to touch this. But afterwards, yeah, just if pepper in a little something. You know, when nobody else is saying a line, I just like to toss something in there. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about like just how much more we're getting in your characters this season. And I'm just curious how you feel about the arcs that they're taking. Cause it's been like one-offs in season three and four pretty much, but now there's these kind of substantial arcs. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? How like, is it, what's exciting about it to you? Uh, do you like their arcs? Yeah, absolutely. The most exciting thing for me after this episode nine was to see how he was and, and kind of, because uh, he goes into a bit of a stasis, you know, once he actually projected and lost his body, he never really grew up. It's sort of the uh, the Peter Pan syndrome kind of. Um, mm. So it was, it was so fun to have actual people to interact with other than Penny and to have, you know, to actually inhabit the world around you and see how Hyman was not very cool or well-liked and yeah. you know wasn't the best socially and maybe learned social skills from watching which is so interesting to me to learn that stuff without ever being able to talk to somebody but for a hundred years you know of watching people you're going to evolve and grow in some way so to see that actual backstory was so thrilling to live out charlton kind of had a mini storyline in and of itself in the fourth season, I guess, in that he revealed some stuff about himself. Yeah. But Charlton really exists to serve Elliot. I mean, the storytelling device is there. Everything about him was to kind of dive deeper into Elliot. And it still is, but this season he definitely has a starting point. It continues in a way that it never has before. So it was definitely really um, different to be able to pick him up on a weekly basis with a little more regularity. So I, it, was, it was wonderful to be able to, in real time, find out exactly what he was thinking about things that were happening with Elliot. Because the season before, it was just kind of like, here's this character, here's everything expository about him, and try to tell Elliot a little bit of what you think about that. But here there is a little bit more of a relationship that has uh, started to have like back and forth with Charlton being able to, you know, 
disappear and come back. So it was it was nice to be able to kind of wear the coat and not have to, you know, say everything in, in one episode. Well, and I kind of like, we uh, had two of the writers on for episode 108. We had Alex and Jay on. And one of the things we sort of pressed them on, which of course they couldn't say anything about, is that now that Charlton is out in the forefront of Elliot's brain, it's going to be really hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, yeah. I, although... I agree with you, although just thinking about it with him being uh, or starting having been a temporal thing, I don't know. There's some part of me that thinks, like, has he not always been a part of his brain? Like, how mm. far gone is Elliot? I, I, th- those are things that I, I thought of, because at the end of the day, Elliot is a character that has a pretty you know strange psychology. So could he cook up the imaginary friend of all imaginary friends that, like, really feels real? I don't know, maybe. I did Mm. think it was interesting. I mean, now it's kind of confirmed to be a little bit more more real. Because Julia can see him and hear him when the the psychic baby is is freaking out. I guess that that episode (laughs) has come out, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard to say anything now. I think something's going to happen. Yeah, and it's, uh, I don't (laughs) know, I've already already said too much. Yeah, It's going to be a wild ride. This season has been so fucking wild. Like... (laughs) I'm sitting here listening to what Spencer's saying and what Stumble you guys are saying. Stumble and mumble. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's so fun, Spencer, to be able to do this sort of stuff instead of your normal, nothing wrong with normal sitcoms or normal half hour oh, it's incredible. drama. It's just so fun. Like, who gets to do this stuff? It's blowing yeah. my mind. It's really putting it into perspective for me right <laughs> well, now. Well, and. And talking about it, or not talking about it, doing the kind of talking, has literally made me break out in cold sweats. I, there's just so much coming, and it, it's a very, you know, talking about storylines and arcs and stuff. Yeah. When you get to have arcs that really peak, as you know, as as some already have, um, and then come to a close, that's all you. That's all you really want to do as a as a person that's involved in storytelling. You want to just open things up, chase yeah. people into trees, throw rocks at them, and then bring them down. And like they've 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 done that, I think, this year. So yeah, it's um, it's yeah. I really hope this show doesn't get canceled. us neither i I think we're all the same boat there um can i be so indulgent and egotistical to ask your theory what you think is going to happen with hymen i'm so curious um well i do think it's interesting because hymen does come from the time that rupert chatwin was still alive and uh uh, dating that dude from break bills so i don't i don't know like i think he's gonna have something to do with it but we were texting about this was it earlier today or last night it was more about like everything else and not hymen though oh i thought i texted you this but maybe i didn't so i i was kind of thinking when you were talking about we'll see how this goes (laughs) um when you were talking to me about like thinking that um i think you said something about how you thought like plum Plum and uh, Elliot. Yeah, that they were going to like convince the Dark King not to go through with his plan or like somehow thwart it. And one of the things I was thinking, because I think you did mention this thing about like Hyman being from the same time, was that I, I feel like, okay, so one thing I should say is that we don't look for spoilers at all, but 
when we Googled both, when we Googled you um, and your character to like try to find all the background for this, one of the things that showed up is on the magician's wiki. It says that your final, you're in the finale. Uh, your, your last, your most recent appearance is the finale mm. for season five. Yeah, it's on IMDb. I know <laughs> um, you can't get around that stuff sometimes. Yeah, but so that immediately was like, okay, so it has to be a big deal. We also already figured that because they released the episode titles, that like episode eleven is going to be huge Why? for Hyman. It's called Be the Hyman. Um, <laughs> oh, kidding. <laughs> you don't know. Um, so, what if I didn't show up in that episode at all? I would. I mean, that would. Yeah, I wouldn't would put it past that. That'd be such but... a funny joke, actually. Or it's the last, last like minute of it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I do feel like there has to be like what. Danny was saying is true that Hyman is from that same era where Rupert and Lance were together. Um, he has some context. He also, he also went to can, school with Lance. He can astral project and he can travel. And we think he's going to be alive, so he can like he can travel and physically talk to people, um, including in places like Fillory. And so I do feel like he has to be involved somehow. the The other thing that I sort of so I don't have my head entirely wrapped around it, but like they've been doing this whole world seed plot thing, right? Um, and they they've already sort of talked about this a little bit that 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 could potentially make a land. So I feel like there has to be a land involved. I feel like the fairies are going to come back. See, I don't really have a theory. I just have like a conspiracy. I'm very interesting. <laughs> Wait, you think that they're going to make a separate world for the fairies? <laughs> I was wondering about that. I think that's a possibility. Only if Julia gets to rule it. Because Julia needs to rule a planet. <gasps> yeah, she could be goddess of the fairies. I would be down for that. Um, anyway, I don't have a fully-fledged theory. Just some sort of vague <laughs> ideas that like, I, all these I things I don't have either. To be Basically, what she's talking about is I texted her and I was saying, like, I was like, oh, I think Elliot is going to stop the Dark King. Like, try to convince him not to go through with this plan because it'll end everything. And I feel like he'd probably bring up the fact that it's just like you're just as bad as Martin and this is the whole reason you like tied yourself to Fillory in the first place is to stop him. So Isn't it so fun to hear, Spencer. Mm. I, I'm incredibly impressed and I'm I'm <laughs> genuinely interested too. You could go on like this forever. Well, all, of, all of the writers are always like super tight lipped and like smiling at us, like like they can't say anything. Yeah, cracking up. Last last year when they were doing all the mythology stuff, I like did a deep dive into weird ass mythology every like every single episode for four episodes straight. Well, and then so we had Christina on twice. So we had her on for four oh six, and then once for four eleven, and I think it was four ten where I did the. Yes, because um, Summer couldn't make it. Summer had to uh, pull out uh, the interview at the last minute. And so we were like, all right, we're going to regroup and just go full on crackpot theory, where I started talking about um, Egyptian mythology, and (laughs) which was sort of the basis of the like monster plot. But you should know I had like five theories and the other four were all wrong. And I didn't really know where it was going. But one of the things I discovered in that, which is still like my favorite thing that I've learned in the service of this podcast, is um, so Osiris and Isis. Um, Isis was the more powerful of the two. Osiris uh, was sort of murderated by his brother, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now, and uh, like chopped up into a bunch of pieces, and his brother spread those pieces around. And Isis, who was his sister and also his lover... Um, some sort of like Chinatown shit going on there. Um, <laughs> she, I guess that was sister and mother, but like whatever. There's some 
There's definitely some sure. incest. That's the point. Um, <laughs> she went around like collecting all his body parts, and she found all of them except for his yeah. dick. So she made him a golden oh, dick, planted it in the dick. ground, and brought God, it back to I life. Mean, my life story. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> So anyway, this is – we have a long history of crackpot theories and people making bizarre faces. How fun, though. That's them. the beauty of this freaking show, though. There's so many none of it's too, none of it's None of it's too crazy. Yeah. It, it really isn't. At any time – I'll be, like, reading the comments, though, like, on people's, like, Twitters, and I'm just like, oh, they're so wrong. Or sometimes they're right. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that we had on recently? Was it – it was one of Alex or Jay, I can't remember which one, who was saying that they had, like, seen somebody on Twitter say, um, there's no way, it's impossible, or, like, some some woman had said that the Dark King was Rupert, and I'm then sure some dude had, <laughs> I thought he might have been, some dude had been like, no, there's no fucking way, that can't possibly be true, and <laughs> whichever one of them was, was just sitting there silently <laughs> being like, <laughs> it was, it was, so, was kind of like, said that he wanted to, like, basically, like, you know, start start a fight with this person on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I I had to block someone because anyway. I got all pissed off at what they said to me once. Wow, magicians is dividing <laughs> us, guys. It's supposed to bring us together. This is nothing. <laughs> I just want everybody. I think it's important for everybody to know that Danny's wearing a Hogwarts sweater. I am. Really? I just wanted to point that out. All right, <laughs> this is going off the rails in the best way, sure. but it's still going off the rails. So. uh one last question before we go. What's it like playing an imaginary friend? Hot question, Clara. Wee wee. Get the fire truck out here because we got to put out this damn question. It's burning my hand. It's so hot. <laughs> I think your armpits are burning. <laughs> I don't know your hands For anybody who can't see, I tucked my hands into their respective armpits. It's, it's the most, I'm going to say it so simply. I'm going to take up no time. It's the most fun I've ever had on set as an actor to play an imaginary friend. I concur 100%. It is from the costumes that we both get to put on uh, to the words that we get to say. Being the imaginary friend allows you to kind of do anything inside and outside the scene. You can kind of make up your a lot of your movement. Uh, they, they give you so much freedom with it. And the imaginary friend kind of stereotype axiom is... It's magical in and of itself. So uh, just an absolute, it's just joyous. The whole thing is joyous. It's so funny. Like we're, we were talking about the body swap episode with Jay and Alex who, who wrote it. And like <laughs> they said that you decided to just hang out on the throne when, <laughs> oh, <laughs> when Margot yeah. Elliott is talking <laughs> to the Dark King. You're just like yeah. on the throne. <laughs> Yeah, there was so, I mean, there was so much of that. It's, uh, yeah, like that's, it's funny. Like everything that you guys say, I'm, I'm so, uh, I, I almost just want to listen because you guys are such experts on it. And I feel, I feel like I don't even know some of the stuff like that. But yeah, there was a ton of that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you had the same, Dustin, with like being able to kind of, you know, just question like, can I be over here? Can I do this? Can I do that? And, uh, and you can't do as much of that if you're, you know, a, a character who needs to be walking through a hallway going left. Like there's, there's very little of that when you're uh, in someone's brain. Yeah. I, I, I can't get through this episode without 
telling Dustin that I I want to steal the Hyman sweater. It's like I mean the like Hyman oh, I the cardigan. The Breakbills cardigan is the only thing I've ever wanted in my life. I, I can't even tell you how badly I want it too, and how many requests <laughs> our, our our wonderful cosmos that Magali has Magali. had for them. I, I I wish they'd make them. They'd make a fortune. They would. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Well, on that note, Spencer, Dustin, thank you so much for talking to us. This has just been, I mean, like really has been like the mm-hmm. most oh, fun. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Seriously, thank you so much. What a blast. Any chance to talk about the magicians? Also, I would choose Hale's wardrobe. Oh. <laughs> ah, That's you listened. <laughs> well, I guess you have to answer now to Spencer. Whose well, wardrobe would you take? Uh, to be honest, I was going to choose Hale's, but because he chose my answer... Sorry. I will say, I will say, um, um, and I'm blanking on his name. I will say, Principal Dean Fog. Fog. So sharp. I will say Dean Fog because uh, those suits are insane. And I, anyway, I've seen him in his costume and in his his suits, and they're like impeccable every time. And sometimes he'll even come into work with other incredible suits. Like he'll have yeah, a different boat. Yeah, yeah, he, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Well, on that note, listeners, thanks for joining us. This was a really special, fun episode. Great hanging out with our imaginary friends. Uh, if you like our podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See, I remembered this time. It's not iTunes anymore. And <laughs> follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Physical Kids Pod. Bye. So, when do we start recording? Mind slot. So many things that happen that I can't talk about. <laughs> and it kills me. Boy, you're a boy, you're, you're.